All right, here we go. The Matrix Revolution? Yes, that's the third one. That's the third one. That's the third one. And okay. this, this one's going to be a revolution. All right. This whole episode. Viva la France. All right. I just got back from Washington, D.C. Oh, there we go. And that is important because it got me thinking about, you know, what went into, you know, with all the history and things like that and seeing everything, all the monuments and mm -hmm. the documents and every every fun thing you can go yeah. see. Got me thinking about, or even like walking down the thing, it's like, oh, that's where Abraham Lincoln got shot. <laughs> <laughs> right there. Uh, Did he get shot in D.C.? Yeah, at the Ford Theater, right? Oh, yeah. It was at the Ford. I didn't realize that yeah. was in D.C. Yeah, and then he died across the street. Uh, and they they made a point to put a plaque out in front saying, he got shot over there, but he really died here. <laughs> I think this house. Um, yeah. But it got me looking and thinking about how young everyone was when they signed the Declaration of Independence. Yeah, you're just telling me this. This is crazy. Because I, I had this idea that, like, you know, a bunch of old men. I think everyone started does. started America. We we really do think of them as as older as older men. You just asked me off the mic how old I thought they were, and I said, like with 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 George Washington and John Adams probably being on the older end, I put them in their forties, and so I assumed that the majority are between the ages of in. in from the 30s to 40s is what yeah. I thought the age range would be. Yeah, and there were a couple in that age range, but a lot of them were really young, <laughs> like like crazy young, like teenagers. That's and like 21, like, that's 22. That's crazy. That is crazy. And it, I didn't even know who I was when I was 21. <laughs> I know. I was be like, crap, I'm 18. I got an idea. Let's start a country. Yeah, that's crazy. Let's have a revolution. Well, but. when you're 18, you're just young enough to do it. You know, those the, those the the ideas you have when you're 18. Yeah, you know? seriously. <laughs> seriously. So our country was founded by a bunch of 18 and 21 year olds. <laughs> bunch of hooligans. Yeah, I know. It, so, but it got me, it got me really thinking about, you know, what was going on at the time, you know, the financial context of Europe. Yep. And no taxation without representation. And all of the, the weird stuff that was sort of going on. Why, why a bunch of kids would be like no this is not right we yeah. are we are out we yeah. are we are making our own path well it makes sense because at that you know if anyone who took u.s history you know that at, at by the by the time the 1700s came about those living in the colonies were so removed from great britain that they no longer felt themselves as british yep they felt themselves as i guess americans yeah that is and so did they all have British accents? I, you did, know, I've, I've always wondered. I think, I, I'm sure it was like, I, I think it was still a little posh, yeah. you know? But I think it was probably transitioning away okay. from it at that point. We shouldn't have done that. Those British accents, <laughs> some of them were great. But. but that's why I can then see someone who is a fledgling adult kind of coming into their, into their own, seeing all these taxes and stuff in this other country ruling them when it's like, I don't even know who they are. I have, yeah. I have no relation to them. I'm so generationally removed to that country. Yeah. I have, why would I have any allegiance to them? Yeah. Cause all they're doing is damaging us. Yeah. So I can see how in an 18 year old, 21 year old brain that start kind of clicking and ticking. And then, Hey everyone. And welcome to what's up with money, an ongoing conversation to help make sense of today's financial confusion. I'm Ryan, a writer and millennial who's asking the questions. I'm Ronald, philosopher and financial advisor who's giving the answers. From outdated 1980s financial advice to magic social media strategies, we aim to shine a light on what's really helpful, lessen financial anxiety, and better understand money. Thanks for joining our conversation as we ask, what's, what's up, up with, with money? money? I was looking at it from perspective of seeing what I think might be some similarities to today that a lot of young people might have similar feelings about these different things like government and <laughs> and uh, the financial world and yeah and you know essentially lit being raised by people that probably you know for back then they were born and raised with sort of like this old idea of the monarchy or whatever, 
you know, Great Britain and yeah. things like that. And then being like, this doesn't make, this isn't working and this isn't making sense. Yeah. Like we need to do something about it. Yeah. And that I think tied in nicely to, you know, obviously where we're at in the matrix, but also thinking about like, what's, what's coming next? Like, and what are young people starting to do now since the advent of the iPhone and social media and the internet and then young people also entering into a financial world and being like, hmm, yeah, I don't know if this is if this is working, yeah, or if I like or agree with or even believe in what I was told this is supposed to be, yeah. And then thinking, oh, maybe we're at another spot of revolution, <laughs> you know, of, another moment of change. Happening. Yeah, yeah, like significant change well what do you think because i mean th that all depends on the context right like if you have a if you have a kid who's 18 21 who's growing up in the one percent they're doing fine they're like the system's great you yeah. know <laughs> this really works this really works <laughs> yeah but those who are you know near the poverty level come stumbling they're like this sucks this is the worst like why are things the way they are why can't they be better yeah and like even like a middle class 21 year old yeah, I'm like, I think they're entering the workforce or finishing up college thinking one thing and then experiencing reality well, I felt, of something I, else. Yeah, I felt that after graduating from college. You know, like I, I was a senior during the 08 crisis. Yeah. So I graduated high school in an economy that wasn't, wasn't hiring. Yeah. So there was a lot of us who like struggled to, to figure that out. And it was, you know, in an, in an industry that I chose that's already hard to get into, it just made it that much harder. Yeah. And it, you know, like, it's just, it, we just couldn't think about it in the way that our parents or our parents' parents thought about it. Mm -hmm. You know, that's why you, well, that's why you have a lot of those in the quote unquote gig economy doing, you know, or hustling, having a hundred side hustles to, to try and make ends meet. Yeah. You know, my sister who has a, doing very well for herself, has a very good job, makes, makes better pay than I do is I, I saw her, you know, she's visiting. And the other day she was on her laptop thinking of a side hustle. Yeah. And even her is like, yeah, just, you know, how can I make more money? That's yeah. not tied to my one job. Yeah. And it's just what our, our generation thinks about how we, you know, we're not so committed anymore to that one, that one company for, for 30 years, Yeah, you know, cause why there's no pension. Like why, why have that loyalty? I'll, I'll be there for like three to five years and then have that take me to another job where I can negotiate a bigger pay raise. Yep. And then be there for three to five years where I can get another job that negotiate an even bigger pay raise and a bigger promotion and so on and so yep. forth. Yep. When I was thinking in terms of like skepticism as well, because you need a level of skepticism and disbelief in order to want to create a revolution. Yeah. <laughs> and one of the things that I think has just been really fascinating is, yeah, this stuff wasn't available 10 years ago. But now everyone, you can type in any senator's name, any politician's name, and it's true. It'll just bring up all their stock trades. Yeah, Google, you know, so and so's net worth increase since they took office. Yeah, <laughs> and like, so I think a lot of younger people are being like, "Hey, whoa, you're not supposed to do that." Yeah, like, it's crazy the amount that you can learn now. The yeah, amount, you can even learn. Man, I saw a TikTok. I think it was this morning. This guy was like, I went to school with this governor. Yeah. And talked about what that governor was like in school. He was, and it wasn't good. It was like this, this guy, this particular governor was kind of a loner. He had trouble making friends. And you're watching it. And there's part of you that thinks like, well, if you guys were nicer to him, maybe he wouldn't be the way he is today. But that's a whole other conversation. Yeah. It was just like, you can now learn about someone that you've never met 
because of social media through all these different, not just through like official ways, but someone being like, Hey, yeah, I grew up with this guy. Here's what he was like. Yeah. You know, which is insane. Insane. So there's so much more, I guess transparency. I don't know if it's necessarily transparency because it's not like the individual themselves is being transparent yeah. about themselves. Yeah. It's more like you can now research someone in a much more thorough way yeah. than you could 20, 30 years ago. And I think people, I think young people always, I mean, you see this every, everywhere, you know, you saw it, young people with civil rights, you saw it with young people with the Vietnam War, young people with, you, you just, just keeps coming, you know, like, yes. they always sort of go like, hey, wait a sec, yeah. <laughs> what are you, what are you, what are you doing, doing up there? Yeah. And, you know, it's like one, one teacher posted, if I get $250 worth of gifts from my students, I have to report it as you know, excess things like that. But Clarence Thomas in the Supreme <laughs> Court gets $250,000 worth of like free vacations and sports tickets from different in. Yeah. And it's, but that's okay. Like, I think it's not okay. Well, I, th I think that's where like, <laughs> like pe people in our current days are, are saying things like, yeah, you know, they're raising the flags and being like blowing all the whistles. Yeah. And, yeah. And saying like, is this where is this what we've come to? Like, yeah. is this what's going to be best for us moving forward? Is this what's going to work for us? You know, in the future, right? And like you said, it usually works okay for those that have access yes. to those things, yeah, and and stuff. And but I think it's causing people to it. I think it always hints back to we kind of come back around to raising sort of ethical concerns about different activities and behaviors and, mm -hmm. and things like that and go, mm -hmm. whoa. <laughs> yeah. Because there is, you know, what, if you are, and this is going to be a very blanket statement, but like if you Love are, those. yeah, if you are someone who, you know, made their way up a certain ladder and reach a certain amount of success, like good for you, you know, you can, there, there should be ways that you can celebrate that. But there are also, that doesn't give you an excuse to like, What's the word I'm looking for? Overdo it. Overdo it. <laughs> to abuse yeah. that privilege. Yeah. To and and there's definitely a line that you you shouldn't cross. Yeah. And I think people are seeing all these people in different you know high ranking places yeah. crossing the line doing things that's like that's not cool. Like you shouldn't be doing that. Yeah, and it, and it seems like the concerns in our more modern age are are shifting as well where like over time like america's military power i think a lot of people now are like it seems like we're in a very different spot than we were like during the cold war <laughs> or like when we actually yeah. like you know in some of those situations so like do we i sent you that one oh that yeah. one picture of you the sent me that this this <laughs> meme of a fighter jet i, I showed it to sydney the, the second and she was just like woof and it's like <laughs> It's like what different parts of this jet are cost. It's like a wing is like welfare cuts and another section is like food stamp cuts. Another section costs student loan cuts. And it's just all these cuts from the budget that are going toward this particular fighter jet. And well, it, in some cases, it's like that one jet's like 15 billion. Yeah. And I heard someone say like, have we, can we take an inventory of our jets? <laughs> like, and go like do we like what's our what's our par <laughs> yeah like like when are we good because like we used to like in food service you always have pars of like how many boxes of this item you need mm -hmm. in order to run the business effectively mm -hmm. like i would how be, many fighter jets do we need to effectively defend the country yeah. yeah and then what's their real shelf life like do we need a new one next year yeah and then what if we didn't yeah like, what would happen if we didn't buy another plane for 24 months yeah it's like well then you know boeing would lose money <laughs> it's like, granted yes. but it's like but it's like really like looking at like okay what 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 is the real what is the real thing here yeah. and i think people don't feel confident in those decisions or don't feel like they're benefiting from them no, we talked substantial yeah, ways. We talked earlier in an earlier episode about taxes and how people aren't feeling their don't don't feel their taxes helping 
them. Yeah. Like other countries do. Yeah. And I would say, I, you know, I would argue that the military is kind of an, an invisible benefit. You yeah. know, it's, oh, yeah. you don't, you don't notice it and you shouldn't like that's, yeah. you know, the fact that you don't realize it's helping you is probably for, you know, means it's working. Yeah. But there is, you know, we've seen recently all of these over expenditures and, you know, like all these ways and you know, all this money that gets lost. Yeah. And it's like millions of dollars of like, where did that go? Yeah. And you know what that could have helped, you know? And, and so I think there's a lot of, I think there's just a lot of distrust in terms of just how money is being allocated. And, yeah. and, and I think the, the military is an e easy finger. You, you can easily point at it because it's one of our largest, it is a, our largest next to social security, like our largest expense. So it's yeah. easy to point a finger at military and being like, look at all the money we're spending there and all the money we're losing. But I think it goes beyond just military. I think it's just about, it's about spending how the country spends money in general. Yeah. And, you know, keeping track of, of the money yeah, and, and making sure that it's being used in a mindful way. And I think that's hard to do when you have all of these people from, with all these different mindsets with, from all these different places who yeah. have ideas of how the money should be spent coming to a consensus. And that's just tough. It's, yeah. it, there's no easy way about it. Yeah. Well, and I think moving away from like government, I think there's just other ways that young people are not as fond of different, you know, cornerstones of financial world anymore. Like, yeah. like housing is such a thing that people are like, hmm, we talked about renting versus owning or mm -hmm. things like that. And there's still a lot of people that are really fixed on have to own a house. Yeah. And then there's a lot of young people that are like, that doesn't make any sense. Yes. Not the same way it used to. No, we're, we're struggling with that right now. Cause we're, we're planning a wedding. And so there's part of us because it's so expensive and there is part of us that's like, Maybe we just buy a house. I could do it for half price. <laughs> and, you know, it's it's such stupid money to, to but, but then it's like, is it smart for us to buy a house? Can we with, you know, not just the mortgage, but like everything about it, the upkeep and the property tax, like, is that a wise thing? And, and so there's definitely like, I don't know. I think it might, you know, renting is, it's a cheaper option. Yeah, it really is. And so that's, and, and, and so I think there's a lot of people my age who are just like, do like, why, why buy the house? What is, what would be the purpose of that? Is that really helping us? Yeah. And there's a lot to wrestle with. Only, I think I've started seeing it more with like people that are curious about like, is the stock market rigged? Like how, mm. how come over time more and more of it ends up in fewer and fewer hands? That doesn't seem to make sense. Yeah. And, you know, we saw, like, I think we recommended John Stewart's episodes on taxes and stocks yeah. and things like that. But in there, there's one thing where they, they calculate out, like, since, like, the advent of, like, E-Trade and, and Robin Hood and the idea that we're going to democratize, essentially get more of the stock market into the hands of, you know, more people, mm -hmm. the exact opposite happened. Yeah. <laughs> more of the market is now in fewer and it fewer is. hands. That's because your money goes to the dark pool. That's right. That's right yeah. <laughs> Doesn't actually go directly to the yeah. market. So, it, it, I mean, it's a whole, you just have to think that someone's benefit. If something feels easy, yeah, someone's benefiting from it. Yeah. And it's not you. And younger people are like, what the heck's a 401k? Does it, what does it do? Does it really work? Why do people love it so much? Um, and right. then, and then starting to question, I think that's one of the great things about young people. They kind of don't, and you know, and this ties into our book for this this chunk of time. They seem to be, in my opinion, more mindful. One hundred percent, and it's because they are. And it's because you are now coming into a new environment for yeah. for a lot of those entering undergrad. If you're going to college, but another one, thing that they're getting skeptical. Yeah, about. Yeah. yeah. But once once you start working, whether you start working right when you can at around the age of sixteen or when you don't work until after high school, you are now making money and it's now causing you to think about how are you going to use that money? Yeah. And, and now, now that you are making money, you, you start out just like you do with any new, anything 
you are initially mindful about it and how you're using it and how little you have. <laughs> it's very real. <laughs> it's very, yeah. very real. Um, and so that makes sense that young people who are now coming into money are like, wait, this is what I'm supposed to do? Hold on one second. Yeah. Yeah. They, I think they do a better job of taking that pause yep. and asking the question. And I find it way harder to work with older people in financial planning circumstances because they're very fixed in, yes. their, in their thinking. Yes. Even, even in mathematically worse outcomes, like they will take, in some cases, mathematically worse results mm -hmm. on what they're doing because it's what they've been told to do and it's what they've been doing their yes. whole life. As a, that's why, like, I don't know if I ever told you, but, like, I made a commitment to never hire anyone older than me. It, really? It wasn't, it wasn't an ageism or, like, but it was because younger people just had more energy or more, like, less, less bad habits. Less, right. And they were easier to develop and train. And they had more ideas and were probably more fun to be around sometimes. <laughs> but it was also... It was also thinking as well, like, and, and part of it was for my own benefit of being like, how do I not get a fixed mindset? Yep. How do I keep myself fresh and in aware? Yeah. And, and being around young people, as much as people like to trash millennials now, they're doing stuff today that is just crazy that just boggles the mind. Well, you know, like I said, we had to, we had to figure yeah. other ways out. Yeah. You know? And I, I like to claim millennial cause I was born in 81, which one that's kind of when it started, but I'm also like, I don't know that anyone would consider me a millennial. No, I, th I think you're technically gen X, right? 81 is the, that's the 81 is technically, but yeah, we're, I think those of us that was, that were born between like 80 and 90 are kind of no man's land. Yeah. So, we kind of don't claim either side. Sure. Because we're not old enough to, like, know what things were like in the 70s. And, like, we didn't start. I think it's because we started work. Like, I always, th I always think about, like, the people that started work around 2000. Like, those people, <laughs> they're kind of like a nomad. <laughs> like, yeah. uh, they, they have no home. <laughs> right, right. So, That's interesting. Whereas, like, you know, when you started working, you were post-iPhone. Yes, the iPhone came out while I was, the first iPhone yeah. came out while I was in high school. Yeah, so you entered work in a completely different universe, and I entered work at the transition. <laughs> mm -hmm. Like, and my parents entered work before, you know, before they had cars and electricity, sure. it seemed. You know, it like, you know I, I do find the time that I came into this world interesting because I grew up both with and without like internet and I, it's like, I know what it was like to not have social media yeah. versus having social media versus like a generation that only grew up with it or generations that grew up without it entirely. Yeah. I had this weird in between of, I, I like, I had both. And so I can look at both lifestyles yeah. and kind of be like, I like, this is what I like about pre, this is what I like about post, yeah. you know, and kind of be a little more judicious and maybe that's one reason why millennial, the millennial generation has a, a different viewpoint is because we did kind of grow up with both. Yeah. We, we saw what it was like without and, and now, and we were just young enough to like have it as, you know, as we were becoming adults, we were like, yeah. we you were, were, you guys were like growing up with it. Yeah. Like, yeah. You know, cause it, what you were, you were a youngin. As, as technology was evolving, mm -hmm. whereas like half of my life was spent without a computer. Yeah. I mean, I, I did. I remember computer class as yeah. early as kindergarten. We went to like a computer lab and like yeah. learned how to type. Yeah. I remember in, I think it was like fourth or fifth grade, our computer lab had an, an, a Mac. It was the coolest computer. Because it was like, it had like that clear, like blue dome on it. Yeah. And like all the other ones were so old, but like the Mac was super cool. And see the Mac that my computer lab had when I was in sixth grade was the brown Mac that <laughs> we played Oregon Trail on that was black nice. screen with green, nice green graphics. Yeah. So. 
But yes, and, and because, you know, we, we were growing up with it, so our, our minds kind of like were able to figure it out yeah. faster. Yeah. Okay. We are taking a break from the hot action. Chatting about mindfulness. Chat, to chat about mindfulness by Ellen J. Wenger. Loving the book. Good. Great book. Really eye-opening stuff. Uh, uh, it's been good to reread it. Oh, I bet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you were talking about uh, one of our uh, favored studies she did, which involves taking some elderly gentlemen on a week-long retreat and putting them into a mindset of 20 years their junior and seeing how they acted. Yeah, so like they decorate the retreat center with in a way that was like 20 years ago mm-hmm. they have memorabilia from when the people were like 20 years younger yeah they had and, like life magazines yeah. and saturday evening post of like that that time yeah it's almost like a it's like they built a movie set from like 20 years earlier yeah and then threw people into it on the bus ride to the retreat center they like played music yeah of that time yeah really like did the best they can to like throw them back yeah and and put that in that and they told them to speak about everything in the present tense yeah so that when talking about things of i think i I think the study took place in the 70s so they were putting it back in the 50s so like everything that was going on in the 50s they talked about as if it was in the present tense yeah and i mean sometimes i'm like ah is this are we just like mind effing people (laughs) (laughs) but I, i i seriously thought about like having to go back home like imagine participating in that and then going back home after that retreat, like having to readjust yeah. back into like mod- like that would be a little bit of a crazy yeah yeah. But what was really I know one of the fascinating things is they talk about sort of their progress like f- physically yes, which is just wild. Like they were getting out of the bus like with their walkers and their wheelchairs and their canes yeah, and like walking slowly and hunched over yeah, like all of like the. F- physical signs of old age yes were 100 percent present as they entered in and then in a in a matter of time it was as if all of that was gone yeah <laughs> like like the energy level of people they were not using their walkers they were moving more than they could you know as they because didn't they do like a they did like a physical evaluation they did they, they, they studied their gait their yeah. height their finger length. Yeah. They, 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 they took a, cause they weren't, they weren't, she says they weren't sure what the results would be. So they just could have took a lot of generic measurements yeah. and samples to like, just to kind of see what would happen. Yeah. And they noticed <laughs> that like their gait, like their, they strained up a little bit. Yep. They walked a little more proudly. They, and, and one thing she talks about, and, and this is in the, the mindful aging chapter and in that chapter, she there's a few studies where she talks about the idea of giving elderly patients more autonomy in, in, in their life, of like not necessarily doing everything for them or helping them with things, having them do things on their own like they yeah. used to when they were younger. And so that was kind of part of the study she talks about of because she's putting them back a mindset of 20 years 20 years ago these men were able to do all these things on their own yeah and she said like right out of the gate the second they got off the bus she had this kind of like activity where she pretended like all of her assistants were busy yeah. and so they weren't there to help with the luggage to bring yeah. all of these these old men's luggage inside to where they would be staying so she would need them to help them help her with it and so all of these old men who weren't really used to like doing this at this at this age were kind of forced to figure out and she was like you could open it and just take out everything in the suitcase piece by piece or take the whole suitcase on your own but i either way they all took their own stuff from the bus to where they were staying which was just like that first little inspiration of like oh i can still do things on my own i don't need help for everything and that just continued throughout the week and it's like a mindlessly learned helplessness yeah that that 
the circumstances switch and then they automatically had to get over it. Yeah. <laughs> they couldn't be helpless anymore. No. And, you know, one of the things you, you wonder if, if the reason that these, these, these men were able to, to kind of feel younger or behave a little younger, is it because of the fact they were put in a different time or is it because they were being more mindful about their day-to-day life you know they were forced to think in a different as if it was in the 50s they had to be really mindful about what they were talking about about what they were doing so not only were they in an environment that was more youthful for them but they were how they were living caused them to think more mindfully about what they were saying and how they were saying it yeah yeah and then even like the way that they like start playing games and and just yeah doing more stuff I was trying to think of like how does this apply to money, <laughs> and like yeah. what it like are there connections there between when you put yourself into a completely different mindset? Yeah, like what what physiological things, psychological things start to happen that enable maybe people to be. I guess the analogy would be more limber yeah. than than yeah. they were under like more of like a. Because, like, the old age mindset is like, oh, I'm old and I can't move as well anymore. Right. But that may not actually be true. And in, because I think she proves it with that study, is like, well, no, it's switching your mindset can actually open you up a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Like, like, that might not be as fixed as, as you think. And so even thinking about, like, money things, like, if people are more mindful, it can open up. You know, I think limber is a good. It, <laughs> it can, can make, it can make you more limber. You know, Definitely. a younger time as opposed to money just being like old age, where it's yeah. like, oh, I just don't have enough. Yeah. Oh, it's just I better get around with my walker. Well, uh, she also speaking of that, she also talks about it's in the. There's one chapter where she talks about mindfulness in the workplace. I forgot the exact name of the chapter, but she talks about how when you give someone a task that is rather mundane. Like, like, I think, I think in one study she had someone like write a phrase or their name over and over and over and over and over and over and told them to not, to only stop writing once they are exhausted. Once they're tired, you can stop. So they just kept going, going, going until they were like, I can't do this anymore. And then she was like, okay, great. Thanks for the study. Now, can you fill out these forms? And they, without even realizing it, were like, oh yeah, no problem. And like, and like, just fill out the forms. And it was... The idea of like, after like, and there were a couple other studies she did that was similar, but that monotony and then breaking that up into a different task like refreshes you. It's the same idea of like, you're at the office all day and you feel worn out and you're like, oh man, I just want to be home. And suddenly your buddy's like, hey, you want to go play a game of pickup? And you're like, oh yeah, for sure. And then you go out (laughs) and you play for three hours. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, there's something that's, you know, it's a second wind. There's a, there's a refreshness that happens in in your mind where like you you feel like you're tired but you actually have a lot more energy than you think of and and that i think also goes to show with with this study with the elderly how it's that mindset shift kind of gave them a second wind in a way and it can do the same with money if depending on how you're using it and if you feel like you're in a rut or if something's not working a or even just if you if you don't feel that way if you're just doing the same thing over and over again doing something slightly different or having a different mindset can refresh you and yeah. get you excited. Yeah. It, you know, you, it's, it's, it's like when you pick up a new hobby, you, you suddenly feel this, all this excitement and you can't wait to do it. And you want to get all the cool gadgets and you want to dive into it. Or like yeah. you get a new game and you want to like, Oh, I can't wait to play this game. That's how I feel every time I get a new Lego set. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You're like, Oh yeah, I can't wait. You know, it's, it's kind of like that. You, you get that little burst of energy. Something new I think she's got the one too about like the housekeepers, like teaching them that the activities that they were doing was working out. Oh yeah. And how their physical bodies, yeah. like they started to like build muscle yeah. and, and it changed how they approached. I mean, if you're working in hotels, like housekeepers have like a very tough job. Yeah. So if you ever stay at a hotel, keep it clean. <laughs> uh, but when they, when they work with them to teach them like, no, when you're folding sheets, when you're doing this, when you're scrubbing, you're working these muscles and you're doing yep. these activities, 
they actually started getting more physically fit and approaching their housekeeping duties from a perspective of working out. Yeah. Which I, you know, most of us don't look at chores as working out or things like that. No, but I mean, we've all, I've definitely broken the sweat depend like cleaning yeah, yeah. depending on what you're scrubbing like for sure and and i you know there are definitely jobs like i have a friend who's a best boy on set you know he works with lighting like set yeah. lighting and it's very physically demanding he tells me all the time like all the time the different stuff he's had to do yeah and i, I think he does work out but he's like i don't really need to like my job yeah. i'm on my feet all day i'm doing stuff all day you know so like those who have physically demanding jobs and they're like oh now i have to work out it's like you don't have to. You just, you exercised all day. Yeah. You know, who knows how many calories you burnt just doing. Now, if you're like working an office job and you're sitting on your butt and you're typing away like I do, <laughs> you know, it's like, then it's one thing. It's like, oh no, I, I should get up. I should move. I should yeah. do some type of exercise. But, yeah. you know, it, it, it's again, it's that, it's that mind, that mind shift. Yeah. That mindset shift. And how important it can be and how it can change everything. Yeah. Physically, emotionally, psychologically, yeah, all of it. It can you you know you can start seeing the world in color again. You yeah, know? yeah, which is what we hope everyone starts doing with money. <laughs> That's right. That's right. All right. Yeah. More next week. Now back to it. To get back to what you're saying about those being kind of stuck in it and and perp and choosing thing like like strategies that are mathematically less advantageous because it's what they know. I can, I can see how someone who depending on what their life is like, who's dealing with all these different things who are, when it comes to money, they're just like, I don't, this is what I've done. Like, let's just, you, mm-hmm. you know, I don't want to think about now I have to put my attention into this. I have all these other things to put my attention on. Yeah. Now you're telling me I have to like reprogram my brain about this too. It's I, I can see why people are like, I don't want to do that. Yeah. You know, one of my, so have you ever told a 45 or 50 year old that they should probably have a side gig? No. <laughs> like it seems so bizarre. Yeah. Like, and it, it's like, really? It's like, no, but like, I think like most 45 and 50 year olds probably need a side gig to help supplement the future or now. And, but like, like I tell that to people that are a few years older than me and you can just see like for most of them, it just doesn't compute. Yeah. Like it just doesn't make sense. Whereas like they look at, you know, like you, like you might have five writing gigs at once mm-hmm. in all different places, which you'd probably be happy to have five, oh, yeah. five simultaneous writing gigs. I mean, that's a lot, but like, and, I'll take it. <laughs> but they'll, they'll look at someone doing that and doing, you know, all the different ways people can go about making stuff and making money and having like, you know, you can do that. You can also moonlight as a photographer. You can you know, help people with their websites and get some extra cash. You can do all these different things yep. now in ways that, and they look at it and go like, well, why don't you have a job? <laughs> and it's like, I don't need a job. Like this is job. Like this is, yes. this is the world of work. That's well, that's the other thing is like reprogramming what a job means. Yeah. You know, cause I think some people mistake job and career. Cause those are two, they sound, they're similar, but they're different. Yeah. You know, like yeah. career and vocation is like, this is what, my my life purpose is kind of going toward. Yeah. Whereas a job is just like, oh, this is just something I do to make cash. Yeah. And a job could be big, a job could be small, but you know, if if it all kind of what you know, as long as what you're doing puts you toward that life purpose, you know, that that vocation that you're going, then you're doing all the right things. Yeah. And if you can make some extra scratch on the side, like go for it. Yeah. Yeah. So why not? Yeah. Well. One of the other things in relationship in relationship to the job thing is I people I believe and I think this this might be and maybe as we get older we just forget we were probably like this when we were younger mm-hmm. but like we enter the workforce hoping for more meaning mm-hmm. out of out of what we're going to be doing yeah and I think that is something that as work has changed people are able to get better at finding that yeah more options, more mobility, more work tied to skills that, you know, and mm-hmm. interests than, than ever before. Yeah. And when that happens, I think people that have had 
a job or a career for a long time, look at look at it and go like, oh, look at the young people. Mm-hmm. They're choosing meaning over money or they're choosing experiences over saving. And yeah, and it's like, yeah, but there's there's a reason why. Like there's like they're not you can't look at them and go, well, this one's good and this one's bad. Yeah. But I do think that that is something that is shifting in some of the some of the cultural mindset of what younger people are are sort of after. Yeah. Uh, millennials have gone a bad rap since I was since because uh, we, we apparently we killed a lot of industry industries. You yeah, know, like, thank you. And I will say thank you. I will I will tell you that we didn't know we were doing that. Yeah. We were just living our life, and then all these people are like, "You're killing the diamond industry," and it's like, "I'm I'm sorry, I'm not buying jewelry." Like, <laughs> excuse me, <laughs> I don't want that. You know? Yeah, we're, they're killing the credit card industry. Well, our parents were deeply in debt, and my mom specifically instilled the biggest fear of credit cards into my brain. Yep. And so, like, sorry that it took me till I was in my mid twenties to get my only credit card. Like, it's just one of those things where we're like, we don't mean to be doing all this we're sorry i guess but it's like this is just what we have figured out to do well that's what happens every 20 ish years yeah you have these revolutions in new generations coming in Mm -hmm. flipping things and doing things different yeah and i'm i'm really glad because i feel like we've been in a weird cycle that has not been helpful for most people and we've talked about the future poor thingy yeah. in another, I think that was our pilot where we chatted uh, about yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. But it's, I think a lot of people are looking at the financial situation that people are in and being like, hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. We don't think this is really working very well yeah. for most people. So what are we going to do to fix it? Because we have to. And your mm-hmm. old method, I don't think works anymore. Mm-mm. And, and I don't, I don't like it. I don't like the results. <laughs> and so that's, yeah. and then that, but that's where revolution sort of kicks in and goes, whoa, <laughs> this is not good. Yeah. Like people shouldn't end college with a hundred thousand dollars in debt and very little income. Right. That doesn't seem right <laughs> that we shouldn't do that to people. Yeah. And I think that's where young people oftentimes are on the like moral and ethical and social cutting edge. Yes. And sometimes it seems very strange, <laughs> especially like older people being like, what are all these new ideas? <laughs> you yeah. know, or like, but they're they're a response to something very real. They don't just come out of the ether or like someone's just like, oh, I just pulled this out of nowhere. Yeah. They they are really a response, like an actual reality response yeah. and reality check that says, Hey, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> what is what is this? I know. And then there there's such a fear of change. Yeah. You know, that there's such a fear of, of the unknown, of the fear of what's different that those of an older generation, they 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 don't have a mindful mindset of like being open to be like, what are they doing and why are they doing this? They, yeah. Instead, they just shake, they wag their finger and complain, yeah. which isn't helping anyone. That's just that's just furthering a generation gap. Yeah, you know, so it's hard to communicate. Well, and what's know? what's really interesting is there's such like I don't I need to do some more research on this from a sociological perspective, but like. The people that are 20 to 30 are very socially minded. Yeah. And then it seems that as they get older or something, we, the like people like me and older people start to become more individual minded Mm -hmm. or maybe they realize the system is just gamed against them. And so they get cynical and like, well, I better get mine or I don't, I don't know what, I don't know what that is. But if you look like, like the people that are in like the high power or older folks mm-hmm. or like in, in government, we talked about government. Like yeah. a lot of those folks are, are the people that were the hippies. <laughs> like yeah. they were like the, the anti-war, like no, you know, yeah. anti-government protest, Vietnam, all of that. And now they're the ones that are <laughs> like in like a completely different stage of life yeah. where those values almost look, at complete odds with the way they were when they were 20, 25 years old. Yeah, so. it's, it's definitely, I wonder if it has to do with, because when you're in your 20s, you are just, in general, more social. Yeah. You're out there. You're with your friends. You know, yeah. that's the that's the moment when your friends are your family, right? Yeah. And you're dating. And so you're like, 
in a more social environment. And then as you hit your 30s, you're possibly settling down. Yeah. Your you, your your friend group you've you've wheedled them down to now you have like a core group of maybe like five solid friends and yeah. those are the ones that you like out of all the in your twenties the random people you've met along the way you've you out of the thirty people that lived in the frat house yeah. you now have your, your, you, yes. your few that have that they they've grown made, up a yes, little bit and, yeah they've made the grade and so and so your your world kind of gets smaller. Yeah. And then you start having a family and even those friends that you, you kept, you start seeing them a little less as your, your private family is growing and that's kind of taking away a lot more of your time. And so I think your, your world just kind of gets smaller in a way. And, and maybe that's why that mind shift yeah. happens because you aren't in a social environment anymore. You're more of a, I, isolated family unit and so you're really just thinking about you and your family and what benefits them yeah uh and so I, maybe that has to do with it i don't know or it could be like a financial thing like as you're making more money you're thinking about like oh why is all my money going to all these taxes like how can i keep more of my money yeah you know like yeah. there's th there could be a lot to do with that especially when you're younger you benefit i think more from social situations than I guess when you're older, depending on what your career and your success rate is or whatever. I don't know, but it's that, that is interesting that that shift that happens with age. Well, I think you bring up a really good point that's important for the purposes of having a podcast about money is that there's an economic aspect to it as well. Like, yeah. and one of the, I think one of my big hopes, and this just might be far fetched, but one of my hopes is that people my age and older start really listening to younger people mm -hmm. and take our cues from them yeah as opposed to them taking cues from us <laughs> yeah and cuz i i i don't think it works well in economic terms to continually have the oldest people telling you how Mm -hmm. how the economy worked <laughs> back then yeah telling you to do the same thing which i think is part of why a lot of people are asking questions or yeah. like us like asking like well what's up with money like yeah because it you you enter into a time it's like older people are telling you a certain thing and you're like I don't, yeah i get it but i don't <laughs> like mm -hmm. i get why that worked for you but i yeah. don't know that it works now well i think it's a two-way street right like it's you as a young person should listen to those older than you who have a wisdom to them and mm -hmm. like hear what they were doing yeah. and digest that. And that same person's person should then listen to you yeah. and see, well, okay, if you're taking this info in, how are you processing it in your context and what are you doing? Mm -hmm. And seeing how that changes yeah. and, and respecting that and not being like, are you dumb young person? You know, <laughs> like you don't know what you're doing. Yeah. It's like, no, like, they might know what they're doing and there, there is, you don't know, they, they have their reasons for doing what they're yeah. doing. Yeah. And I think that that is what's healthy, yeah. but it's, it's when you, you, when the, that young person looking up to the old person isn't reciprocated. That's when things get stagnant. Yeah. And I think there's such a social, like I, I, I have this thought that we like when I think of like socioeconomic, I, like, I love those two words together. And I think in so many ways, we've just ripped those apart. <laughs> yeah. And and I think young people then come in much more with a socioeconomic mindset. You just mentioned, you kind of have to do it in, in a lot of ways, you know, as you're starting out, mm -hmm. you know, sharing stuff, having roommates, all that kind of stuff that, yeah. you know, I don't have roommates. I have three kids. Well, you do have roommates. Yeah, like, <laughs> uh, not, not in the same yes. sense. My kids don't yeah. pay, pay rent. Uh, I wish they would. Um, <laughs> but... There, there's such a need there for that social and economic fabric to mm -hmm. be connected. And I think as we get older, we almost, those become more and more separated. And I think, you know, my theory is that we're at a spot in time where those become so separated that it's detrimental yeah. to everybody. And so hopefully now with where we're at in the information age and technology and sort of exposing some of all the different things that we've already kind of hit on, mm -hmm. we'll sort of hopefully bring them back together 
in some in some helpful ways. Well, this is what this is what happens when because now all these things are kind of being exposed and a, a lot of light is being shed on it and a lot of people are like that's not cool, which is great. But what happens is that now you you also get a lot of people defending it now. Yeah, you know you you the backlash of of that are people coming out of the woodwork to be to defend the this view that you think is not cool yeah and so that's gonna that's there's just gonna be a lot of like crap bubble you know excuse me for cursing but a lot of crap bubbling up crap is my favorite word <laughs> it's not the, i can beep it out if you want i'm just gonna have to put the e now oh yeah you think, you think uh, I, don't I, don't, I don't think crap will get us you don't think that's gonna get us in trouble i don't know Anyway. Maybe from our older listeners, <laughs> but a lot of a lot of icky stuff is now going to bubble up, yeah, and it's going to be like that for a while. As as this kind of like with with this change, there's going to be this headbutt, yeah, until it kind of evens out. It's going to be like that for a while. You well, know? I I look at it like we'll go back to the government officials buying stocks. Mm-hmm. I, if they're the ones that have to vote that law through that they can't, oh, it's are, not gonna they, happen. are they going to do like, no, no one's going to be that, that altruistic to be like, you know what? You're right. All this money I'm making on my investments is not right. I will now forego all of it. Yeah. And I'm like, you want to, like, I literally thought this while I was standing in front of the Capitol last week. <laughs> I like, what? kind of faith in government would we all of a sudden have if they were like we're done doing this oh it would be it, it, we'd all it'd be like a slap in the face it's like it, but in a good way of yeah. like of like wait what you actually you actually said yes to that yeah yeah you will purposely disadvantage yourself and your net worth for the sake of us really like, well, you know what would happen was you, you would see a whole new batch of people now in office because those who are looking for more self-advantageous job, yeah. they're, they're not incentivized anymore for it. And so yeah. they'll probably find other things to do. And so you'll then find people who are like, no, this is, this is what I want to do. It'd be a whole new, it'd be interesting for sure. Yeah. I yeah. mean, it, it's a, if you want to create that, that'll be our activity. Crazy thought experiment. <laughs> like. How would your sense of government be if they did that? Yeah. Like, and what, like, what sort of vote of confidence would that be? And then, and then asking yourself, well, why don't they do it? Ah, it's the money. It's the money. <laughs> it's yeah. the money. Yeah. Anyway, I, I, I hope, and I, I think that there'll be some massive changes and some revolution type stuff on the horizon. Yeah. So. So I guess leading into winding down to Penny for your thoughts, Ron, what, what, what are those hopes? Like if you can concretely say what those hopes are, what, yeah. what, what would that be? I think a lot of people feel like this way of doing things doesn't, it's nice. Like we have good lives for the most part mm-hmm. and we're better off than a lot of places. Uh, right. Yet, in our context, I don't know that many people feel like it's really working for them. Mm. And when when things aren't working well economically for people, that's when people start to shift, start mm-hmm. to change because it has it has impacts on like the the basics of human life, and it has yeah. impacts on the things that really matter, like providing things that we value, like food, shelter education, progress, opportunity, all of those things require access to funding, access to money. They require money. You know, going to college takes money. <laughs> like, it takes a lot of it now, a lot more than it used to. Yeah. Uh, and it keeps growing. And so what, what I think people start feeling like is the more, the more people feel like they're disadvantaged, the more people feel like they're limited on their access they're limited on these things that essentially may have been promises or things that are supposed to be there for us in in our culture the fewer and fewer people that have access to those the more revolution starts to bubble Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know and i and i think that's that's sort of where where i think we're headed very soon what do you see that revolution being 
well, I think it will send someone like Neo into the, <laughs> into the machine city and, and they'll, yeah. you know, they'll essentially go get plugged in and shut down the machines and we'll win the war. So oh, that's beautiful. But the, the, the thing I see happening is I think there'll be much more social driven economic things. I don't think socialism in, in, in its technical sense, but I think you'll see people going, we need to do more for one another mm. in order to make life livable. Yeah. We need to stop having limited access mm -hmm. to basics yeah. or put people in situations that are, that are not good. I think education will be a big one. I think mm -hmm. higher education, I think the lid's been blown off of what's happened since 1980 on higher education with, yeah. you know, the student loan crisis, with the amount of money that universities have been able to acquire. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's been a huge transfer of, you know, wealth from students to universities over the past 30 years yeah. in, a, in a way that's almost unheard of. And I think people are looking at like, okay... <laughs> I got an education. I don't know that it paid <laughs> for itself. You yeah. know, like, I don't know if the cost-benefit analysis on this piece of paper is proving itself out right. the way it theoretically was supposed to. And then when you reverse engineer and people write books and start explaining like how different universities have just grown in their net worth and just, you know, administration has gone off the roof, salaries, yeah. all that kind of stuff, buildings, facilities. Yeah. Then people are like, wait a sec, I thought I was paying for an education, yeah. not for you to grow your yeah. your brand or your university. So I think there's a, there's a lot of those things like that that are that are sort of, you know, people are asking more questions like, well, what's the purpose of a college degree now? Yeah. And it's like, and yet there's still a barrier that's like, well, you got to have one to get into higher, higher levels of earning. Mm -hmm. And people are like, yeah, but why? <laughs> like, yeah. like, why are we doing that still? Like, yeah. look, can we, can we rethink this a bit? Because it's yeah. not like that. It doesn't seem to be working well. So mm -hmm. I think there'll be many revolutions over the next, you know, 20 to 30 years. Yeah. Uh, with, you know, 30 year olds are starting to see it. 20 year olds are starting to see it. And then 10 year olds are starting to see it. 10 year olds probably are starting to see it. Too. <laughs> yeah. But that's, that's where like the more as people go, the more they start realizing does, does what we're doing work. Yeah. And so the less it works and the more people that are realizing it doesn't work, the more likely things are to to bubble up to change. Yeah. In my in my view. And I hope it does. So Yeah. We all hope it for the better does yes. indeed change. Yeah. And with that, dear listener, we will leave you yeah. on that penny for your thought. Make sure you leave us a review. Yep. Subscribe. Rate for rate us. Yep. And the Matrix Resurrection <laughs> is next. Thanks for listening to What's Up With Money. We'll continue our conversation in the next episode. But until then, please subscribe to rate and review the show. Giving a rating or review helps other people find the show. So if you like what you're hearing and you want others to hear it too, please give us a rating, share us on social media, or both. Reviews are also where you can leave us questions. So if you have any financial questions for us, please leave them in the review. We may answer it on the show. We love questions. We'll be back next week to continue our conversation and hopefully get a little bit closer to answering the age-old question, what's, what's up, up with, with money? money? Yeah, I love that so much. Is there another one that you, uh, let's try to think, like, what's so hard is I was like, oh, let's have some lighthearted ones. It's it's hard to find a lighthearted money. I know. Because they're, they're all, all very doom and gloom, or like, you're not doing something right. Yeah. Yeah. So, I was, yeah, I was like, I was like scrolling through, um, oh my gosh, someone pulled this one up. Do the, do the, um, do the... Do the girl math one I sent you. It's so good. It's I think it might be a little long. It might be a little long.
Girl math. Girl math. Girl math. I mean, it's, uh, it's real now. We've got an intro. This is so good. It's a banging it intro. Is. It's a banging Thanks, intro. Thanks, now, joining us in studio are Brad Olson, principal economist this at This is an Australian radio uh, show. For a special yes. edition of Girl Maths. Girl Now, you've heard Girl the math. first couple of segments, mm-hmm. Brad. Oh, yeah. As a, as a uh, principal economist, you're on the news all the time. We've mm-hmm. nicknamed you Bad News Brad. What do you think of the segment Girl Maths? Look, I, can, I, I, I understand why there's a need to justify spending in this economy, that's for sure. <laughs> Shannon and Carwin uh, at the producer's Hello. desk. Are you, ready? are you a bit nervous about today's girl mass with Brad here? No. No. Yeah. <laughs> because it doesn't matter. Like, it will always be justified. It's a lifestyle and it's a delusion. Yeah. <laughs> our principal economists at um, girl maths. Oh, girl maths. Oh, okay, right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Nicole joins us. Good morning, Nicole. Hi. Now you you're considering a new purchase, uh, and you'd like Girl Maths to justify this. This is you. genius. What are you, what are you looking at? This is how how they talk about this? I've already brought it, but I need to um, justify it to myself. Okay. <laughs> okay. okay. Those okay. are the best okay. ones. How much did this uh, did this purchase cost? Three hundred and thirty dollars. And what is it? Um, it's a brand new new season ruby dress. Oh, which one? What which one are we talking? Because that's going to help me. It's called the Ariel. It's got a it's a halter neck. It's got like it's a gorgeous dress. It is. It is. It. Oh my god! Right, thanks. <laughs> Where are we wearing this? Okay. Well, well I have three weddings coming up this season, yeah. and they're all different people. Okay, different crowds, completely no. different groups. Look, I'm married okay, to so one this of you. Isn't three I'm married to one of you, and this is horseshit. You're going to wear that to one wedding, and you're going to like get such a nice photo at the first wedding. You'd be like, well, I can't now. I can't wear it because. It's the intention today. She's going to wear it three times. This is not a $330 yep, dress, not. Brad. It's $110. Which is basically the same as hiring a dress, it's right? It's basically free. It's basically free. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're not quite at free. Listen, listen to okay, how they, um, how they go through this. Uh, girl mess. I so think look, I have Ruby, girl math. I know a lot about. And these dresses will have resale value. I know you look him in the eyes, Brad. You don't believe me. but Wait, you're is, telling me she's going to make money. There is a market for this. <laughs> yeah. so if she wears it three times yeah, yeah, at $110, $110 a wear, she can definitely sell this after those three wears for more than $110. Absolutely. So she's at least saved one cost of renting one dress. So if she, even if she sold this, this is $330, $110 per wear. Even if she sold this for $110, one of those wears is now free. She's wearing a free dress. It's a free it's dress. Really. It's a free dress. <laughs> it's free. So for two of the times, yes, she's losing a bit of money, Brad, but one of the times, it's not basically free. It is free. It is free. Can, can we just check in? Are there any other times that we can use this dress? Can we use it like at a, at a work function? Yeah, or, what do you think, Nicole? We're, we're supposed to be going to the races for our work function, and oh. I brought like a really wide-brim hat on the weekend that I was going to wear with a different dress. But I'm like, no, this this gives Barbie vibes. This is yeah. perfect. Okay, so that's Wait, another wear. That's no. another wear. It's $82.50 now. It's $82.50. Yeah. That's your fourth wear. And the hat <laughs> but also it's is basically free because it costs less than the dress. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> now, Nicole, have you been It's cheaper and cheaper, man. I know. Yeah, the yes, more you amazing. wear it. amazing. Beautiful. I'm just right. 10. I love it. Right, you, you were thinking she could wear another... We you might get a fifth wear a fifth out of wear. it. Because okay, if we're right. getting five... Yeah. I can easily go again. Okay. And there's bound to be a summer bottomless brunch as well. If you can get five wears, we're talking about a $66 dress. Now, you'd get that from a cheap <laughs> shop. Yeah. But now you're buying a New Zealand designer clothes, a piece of I'm clothing. supporting the economy. Supporting the economy. Supporting the economy. It's all pluses. Brad, she's supporting the economy. She is now. Uh, look, New Zealand the, the, company. The biggest question for me is that uh, the, the resale <laughs> point is good. Cowan's point about the resale is good. How how long do you hold the dress? When you, uh, Is there a commitment to sell it? Is it two years and it's gone? Or, well, it's got to be in fashion still, doesn't it? Because the thing is, you, if you leave it too long in the wardrobe, then the math doesn't stack up. So girl math is okay it's here, I think. It's a good point. Don't do it, Brad! <laughs> 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 I thought we weren't meant to be spending money. Don't buy into this craziness! Well, She's again, not look, money. I think the important thing here, though, is that if it was a one off, a one and done purchase, then yeah, I'd be concerned. But the thing, everyone's now thinking, like an economist, and thinking, where's, where's the economies of scale? How do I get the most bang for buck here? That, I, I like that thinking. Cost That's per wear. Cost, cost per wear. Cost okay. per wear. We need to have. <laughs> This never happens. This never happens. <laughs> we've, also, never happens. we've also encouraged someone else on the text machine to go out and buy the specific dress. Yeah, so it's the Ariel Halter dress <laughs> no, wait, wait, wait. in pink. You're going to cause inflation. Are we going to send it to Sade? <laughs> 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 you sell it to Sade oh. in two years. Exactly. I oh, know, but pink won't be all the rage. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, pink is eternal. What about, I mean, dress swap? That's a thing, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. 
Yeah, do you have yes. best friends? Maybe a best friend can borrow it for us. Oh my God, this is the thing. It's like even if you you go <laughs> you committed to wearing this oh, yeah. three times, if you lose that commitment, do a dress swap with another friend that's going to the wedding. There you go. But this dress yeah. is still getting worn, so you still it still works out that Price it's basically wear. free. There we go. <laughs> Okay. They got the free. That lady told me that I should rent it out afterwards. So she's kind of telling design me a wardrobe. Design a wardrobe, you rent out. You're yeah. literally making money off of buying this dress. Boom. I think the only way this works is if you do keep moving around because I've got enough friends where they've got fantastic <laughs> wardrobes of dresses that they haven't worn for like five years or so. That, mm. that sort of stuff, that, that's what we call dead money. That's, yeah, it is that, dead that's money. That's a sunk cost. You need to sort of get rid of those. You need to keep generating things. And if you want the economy yeah. to turn over, uh, you've got to move the dresses around. How much of your wardrobe is dead money? <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I fit like two pieces of it. <laughs> I thought... I mean, it's a different... Sydney sent me that video, and I thought it was genius. It is... Uh, the way they're thinking about it is and so smart. And, and someone, some people could look at that and be like, they're being dumb. No, no, no. They're being genius. No, and and I think it's the most amazing thing is they have an economist on. Yes. Which one of my favorite articles ever in papers ever is why all the financial advice is wrong according to economists. Yeah. Because economists think this way. They are literally looking at money and expenses and purchases through a true lens mm -hmm. of economics which says price per wear. Yeah, that is how, and like Sydney was like, this is how I think. She was like, it's dead on. Like, oh yeah. She's like, when I buy a bag, I thinking about this bag isn't a $500 bag. I'm going to wear this bag 500 times. It is a, every time that is a dollar. Why do you make Sydney wear a bag? <laughs> you know, a purse. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. All right. <laughs> it is a, it is a, uh, it is a dollar per use, you know, like yeah. it's, it's basically free, you know, like, it's it's and I'd love to have our significant others on to talk about girl maths further. I think that'd be a fun well, episode. I, I think being uh, an only child and my mom never working, I think I was raised to think more. I, you call it girl math. I think it's smart math. And oftentimes girls are a lot smarter than us uh, when it comes to stuff like this. Yeah. But I, I mean, we have some rules with clothes and things like that in our house and like i always look at it and be like all right price per wear it's like is this a you know is this a one season mm -hmm. item mm -hmm. or is this like a timeless classic yeah, is it piece? evergreen yeah it's yeah. like is this like and so you know is it fast fashion yeah or is it will it last year yeah, yeah. and it's like oh you can wear this 20 times that means oh it's like three bucks a time yeah all right, perfect like that's a deal. Yeah. <laughs> but most people don't think in terms of actual economics, and most gurus don't have a clue about economics no. in their advice. So, but I think, I think it's, I think it's great. Yeah. So but think like, think like girls, girl math and economists and economists. <laughs> yeah. they're, they're both, they're both heavily aligned. Yes. Hand in hand. Yes. Even yeah. though sometimes it doesn't make sense. It's like, you want to buy a $300 dress? Hey, wait, only, wait, wait a minute. It's only $50 a wear. Yeah. Like, there we go. At worst. It's like, okay. Yeah. All right. All right. As long as it keeps moving. Yeah. We're good. Keep that thing moving. There you go. I would say that this does make sense. It does. Yeah. This, this is our does. first. It does make it sense. It does make sense. Ooh. This is a milestone. I like this it. It's great. Let's mark this one. <laughs>